Sophie's World by Justine Garner. The Renaissance continued. Oh, divine lineage and mortal guys! That old, yes, and these three discoveries—the compass, firearms, and the printing press—were essential preconditions for this new period we call the Renaissance. You'll have to explain that bit more clearly. The compass made it easier to navigate. In other words, it was the basis for the great voyages of discovery. So were firearms, in a way. The new weapons gave the Europeans military superiority over American and Asiatic cultures. Though firearms were also an important factor in Europe, printing played an important part in spreading the Renaissance humanism's new ideas. And the art of painting was, not least, one of the factors that forced the church to relinquish its former position as sole disseminator of knowledge. New inventions and instruments began to follow thick and fast. One important instrument, for example, was a telescope, which resulted in a completely new basis for astronomy. And fine, and finally came rockets and space probes. Now you're going too fast, but you could say that a process starting the Renaissance finally brought people to the moon, or for that matter, to Hiroshima and Chernobyl. However, it all began with changes on the cultural and economic front. An important condition was the transition from the subsistence economy to the monetary economy. Toward the end of the Middle Ages, cities had developed with effective trades and the, the lively commerce of new goods, a monetary economy, and baking. The middle class arose, which developed a certain freedom with regard to the basic conditions of life. Necessities became something that could be bought for money. This state of affairs rewarded people's diligence, imagination, and ingenuity. New demands were made on the individual. It's a bit like the way Greek cities developed two thousand years earlier. Not altogether untrue. I told you how Greek philosophy broke away from the mythological world picture that was linked to the pheasant culture. In the same way, the Renaissance middle class began to break away from the feudal lords and the power of the church. As this was happening, Greek culture was being rediscovered through a closer contact with the Arabs in Spain and the Byzantine culture in the East. The three diverging streams from antiquity joined into one great river. You are an attentive pupil. That gives you some background on the Renaissance. I shall now tell you about the new ideas. Okay, but I'll have to go home and eat. Alberto sat on the sofa again. He looked at Sophie. Above all else, the Renaissance resulted in a new view of mankind. The humanism of the Renaissance brought a new belief in man and his worth. In striking contrast, the biased medieval emphasis on the sinful nature of man. Man was now considered infinitely great and valuable. One of the central figures of the Renaissance was Marsilio Ficino, who exclaimed, "No, sigh thyself, O divine lineage, immortal guise." Another central figure, Pico della Mirandola, wrote the Oration on the Dignity of Man, something that would have been an unthinkable in the Middle Ages. 
Throughout the whole medieval period, the point of departure had always been God. The humanists of the Renaissance took as their point as departure man himself. But so did Greek philosophers. That's precisely why we speak of a rebirth of antiquities humanism. But Renaissance humanism was to an even greater extent tanked characterism. Characterized by individualism, we are not only human beings; we are unique individuals. This idea could then lead to an almost unrestrained worship of genius. The ideal became what we call the Renaissance man—a man of universal genius, embracing all aspects of life, art, and science. The new view of man also manifested itself in the interest. Of the human and anatomy, as in ancient times, people once again began to dissect the dead to discover how the body was constructed. It was imperative for both the medical science and for art. Once again, it became usual for works of art to depict the nude. High time, after thousands of years of prudery, man was bold enough to be himself again. There was no longer anything to be ashamed of. That sounds intoxicating," said Sophie, leaning her arms on the little table that stood between her and the philosopher. Undeniably, the new view of mankind led to a whole new outlook. Man did not exist purely for God's sake. Man could thereby live delight in life here and now. And with this new freedom to develop, the possibilities were limitless. The aim was now to exceed all boundaries. This was also a new idea, seen from the Greek humanistic point of view. The humanists of antiquity had emphasized the importance of tranquility, moderation, and restraint. And the Renaissance humanists lost their restraint. They were not completely, especially moderate. They behaved as if the whole world had been reawakened. They became intensely conscious of their own epoch, which is what led them to introduce the term "Middle Ages" to cover the centuries between antiquity and their own time. There was an unrivaled development in all spheres of life: art and architecture, literature, music, philosophy, and science flourished like never before. I will mention one concrete example. We have spoken of ancient Rome, which gloried in titles such as the City of Cities and the Hub of the Universe. During the Middle Ages, the city declined, and by 1417, the old metropolis had only 17,000 inhabitants. Not much more than Lausanne, where Hilda lives. The Renaissance humanists saw it as their cultural duty to restore Rome. First and foremost, to begin the construction of the great Saint Peter's Church over the grave of Peter the Apostle, and Saint Peter's Church can boast neither of moderation nor restraint. Many great artists of the Renaissance took part in this building project, the great, the greatest in the world. It began in 1506 and lasted for 120 years, and it took another 50 before the huge Saint Peter's Square. Was completed. It must be a gigantic church. It is over two hundred meters long and one hundred and thirty meters high, 
and it covers an area of more than sixteen thousand square meters. But enough about the boldness of the Renaissance man. It was also significant that the Renaissance brought with it a new view of nature. The fact that man felt at home in the world and did not consider life solely as a preparation for the hereafter created a whole new approach to the physical world. Nature was now regarded as a positive thing. Many held the view that God was also present in his in his creation. If he is indeed infinite, he must be present in everything. This idea is called pantheism. The medieval philosophers had insisted that there be an instrumental barrier between God and the creation. It could now be said that nature is divine, and even that it is God's blossoming. Ideas of this kind were not always looked kindly on by the church. The fate of Giordano Bruno was a dramatic example of this. Not only did he claim that God was present in nature, he also believed that the universe was infinite in the scope. He was punished very severely for his ideas. How? He was burned at a stake in Rome's flower market in the year sixteen hundred. How horrible! And stupid, and you call that humanism? No, not at all. Bruno was a humanist, not his executioners. During the Renaissance, what we call the anti-humanism flourished as well. By this, I mean the authoritarian power of state and church. During the Renaissance, there was tremendous thirst for trying wishes, witches, burning heretics, magic and superstition. Bloody religious wars, and not least the brutal conquest of America, but humanism has always been, has always had a shadow side. No epoch is purely either purely good or purely evil. Good and evil are twin threads that run through the history of mankind, and now they intertwine. This is not least true of our next key phase, a new scientific method. Another Renaissance innovation, which I will tell you about. Was that when they built the first factories? No, not yet. But a precondition for all the technical development that took place after the Renaissance was the new scientific method. By that, I mean the completely new approach to the science. What science was. The technical fruits of this method only became apparent later on. What was this new method?